Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dog Lucy. Together we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs whose work is inspired by their dogs. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. On this episode, I'm talking with a dog trainer, author, and entrepreneur about how she wrote her third book, a romantic comedy about a dog trainer who finds herself translating her dog training skills to her love life. I can't wait to see how it turns out. This book also serves as an opportunity to educate and improve the image of pit bulls around the country. We cover a lot of interesting topics in this episode, including marketing ideas and behind-the-scenes secrets of the puppy bowl. But before we dive into the episode, I'd like to ask you to take a screenshot or a selfie of yourself listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast and share it on Instagram, tagging me at tmystic or using hashtag Wear, Wag, Repeat. I love seeing where you are when you listen to the show, and your help in promoting it will help me reach more inspiring dog moms. Okay, let's get into the show. Victoria Shade has been a dog trainer and writer for over 17 years. During that time, her dog duties have included working behind the scenes on Animal Planet's Puppy Bowl as the lead animal wrangler, appearing on two episodes of the Animal Planet show Faithful Friends, writing dog training content, and appearing in educational videos for NBC Universal, Pet360, Paw Culture, and Pet MD. Plus, writing two dog training books, Bonding with Your Dog and Secrets of a Dog Trainer. Her first novel, Life on the Leash, comes out on September 18th. Hey, Victoria. Hey, Tori. So nice to chat with you. Yeah, I'm really excited to interview you. You have such an interesting, varied past in the pet industry, it seems. Yeah, I've been really lucky. I mean, the one anchor in all of it is dogs. But yeah, there's been a lot of different cool stuff. Yeah, I think uh, as long as I've been doing this show, I think you're, I I just released episode like 26 or something, so you're probably around the 30th person I've interviewed, and just any way that you can work in some way related to dogs, it just makes your life so much better. It really does. Every day, I'm like, this this is my job. I get to make dogs' lives better. And hopefully with the book, make some people's lives a little more fun, too. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, I just got a copy of your book. Thank you very much. And I'm so excited to, be, to read it because I love – like, I, I go to the library a lot. I know a lot of people don't go to the library that often, but um, I do. And so I'm always just browsing, like, the new release tables. And anytime I see anything dog-related, I pick it up. And it's just – it's fun. It's just like a way to, uh, you know, kind of see myself and the characters in the books that I'm reading whenever it's like some young girl who loves her dog. Yeah, and that's what I hope. One of one of my big hopes with Life on the Leash is changing perceptions because one of the big storylines is about pit bulls. And I'm a huge fan. I love pit bull advocacy. And, you know, in addition to entertaining I'd like to open some eyes to just how wonderful pit bulls are. Yeah, I think that's um that's such an interesting sort of social awareness thing that's been coming up in a lot of things I've been reading. I read a book recently. Um, now I'm going to forget what it was called. <laughs> Give me a hint. I might know it. Okay, it was, I think it was the same guy who wrote A Dog's Purpose, I think. Um, and it was about a dog in like um, the Denver area who... Um, 
his owner had to find a new home for him because animal control had labeled the dog as a pit bull and pit bulls were banned. And the dog um, went to a foster family outside of the city, but it was written from the dog's perspective. And um, all he wanted was to get back to his person and he ended up escaping from the foster family and um, and running and walking and whatever, like like hundreds of miles back to find. And like four years later, he turned up. Uh, and it was just like a very heartwarming, wonderful story. But um, but sort of one of the underlying themes was about um, pit bulls and, and the pit bull ban in certain cities. Like I guess apparently, according to this story, Denver has that. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me why the pit bull storyline was so important to you. Well, that's part of the reason, you know, there's so much um, misinformation that's accepted as fact when it comes to pit bulls. And, uh, you know, especially in this day and age, not to get political, but it's super important to always try and verify um, what you're reading. Like, for example, there are there's the idea that pit bulls have locking jaws and that is accepted as fact. But it's not true. It is absolutely not true. And something as simple as well, it's not simple, but um, the bite strength of a pit bull, you know, people will throw out these numbers and come to find out the numbers are not based in measurable fact. And in terms of where I'm getting this information to, to harken back to another book, I always mention this Bronwyn Dickey wrote a wonderful book called Pitbull uh, Battle Over an American Icon. I think I have the title right. And her exhaustive research was just so illuminating, you know, things that We've heard forever and ever and ever when you start to peel back the layers like, well, where did this come from and how do we verify that this is true? Oh, actually, it's not true. Their jaws don't lock and they're not, you know, quicker to fight and they're not, you know, just so much misinformation. So that's part of the reason, you know, hoping that people will start to question things that they accepted as fact. And also this Pitbull storyline is so important to me because I love them like that. Mm -hmm. Their faces, there's just something about, we all have it. There are certain dog types where we're like, I'm in love with that face. And for me, it's, it's the Pitbull face, even though I don't have one, I've been foster mommy to a Pitbull, but uh, we don't have one now. And I'm kind of pushing my husband like next foster I'm ready let's do it so hopefully we'll have another foster pit bull very soon maybe you'll be a foster fail and then you can keep your pit bull <laughs> oh the last time trust me we we actually had him for a while I think we had him five months his name was Freddie oh and yeah he was such a good boy and there were a few moments where I'm like he's ours he's staying with us he's definitely right for us but when I took a step back and and thought like, what does Freddie want in a foster family? And he had given me signs, not trying to be like woo woo about this. He had given me signs all along. Like he would go crazy when like happy crazy when he saw a big guy in a baseball cap. He would go crazy when he saw a pickup truck. And I started to realize like, well, there's there's a type, there's a person type that I think he really would love to be matched up with. Uh, and he wanted a he wanted a playful sibling, and I have two smaller dogs that were like, "You are freaking us out. You're too big, and you play too rough." So all of these things kind of conjured up a picture of the perfect parent for Freddie, the the foster pit bull. And sure enough, that is who found him. And it was like one of these manifesting into reality. You yeah. know, I, he, his 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 mom is a veterinarian, and his dad owns a food truck. So does it get any better for a foster placement? That sounds pretty amazing for a dog. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So in your book, I know that the main character is a dog trainer. Um, mm-hmm. And we can we can talk about it in a minute if she's based on you or not. But actually, 
the way you've been talking, I'm curious if the dogs in the books are based on any dogs that you know in real life. Uh, that's such a great question. Um, there is, I was just talking about this with a dear friend of mine last night, there is one single dog that actually did exist in this world. Uh, it's Lucy, the French bulldog. Aww. Yeah, Lucy. Um, she she belonged to a dear friend of mine, and she lost her dog. And I was kind of there through the end. It was it was a surprising end for the dog, and it was just really traumatic. And I just felt like it was a way to honor her and the dog and our friendship. So Lucy the Frenchie is the only real dog. The rest, not based in reality. There is one caveat. Um, Honey the Doberman appears towards the end of the book. And Honey, the name Honey, is kind of a tribute to one of my former clients. So the dog was a Vizsla in real life. In the book, she's a Doberman. But it's actually Nicole Wallace, who's the former White House communications director and now has her own show on MSNBC, her dog's name is Honey, and it was a little tribute. She's She was a former client of mine. Oh, so wow. Said, That's yeah. a cool little behind-the-scenes story. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's her Both her dogs, Honey and Lily, big fans of them. Awesome. So, okay, so talking about the book, and the, and the main character, um, like I mentioned, is a dog trainer. So is this character kind of a little bit based on you and your life, or maybe like a, a sliding doors version of your life? <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that movie. I had that sliding doors haircut for a long time, actually. And you do, too. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking, should I go back? I'm like, no, that's it's hard to maintain. You Maybe you went through the other sliding door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. I'm long haired Gwyneth. I wish. Um, so let's put this on the record right now. Cora, the main character, is not me. Originally, little behind the scenes. Originally, when I started working on the book, I'm like, yes, I'm going to make this a Ramona Cliff. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that mm -hmm. properly because I don't speak French. Mm -hmm. But um, I was going to base it on me and, you know, my reactions. And I let a dear friend read an early copy of it. And she's like, yeah, it's good. But gosh, that main character is kind of bitchy. I'm like, oh, OK, well, <laughs> maybe I should rethink this. So instead of, I'm not that bitchy, guys, maybe a little bit, but instead of having it be my reactions, I said, okay, let's go the opposite direction. Let's make Cora the sweetest, nicest, most giving and caring person she could be. And I, that's, that's how I, I framed her. And she's not like, you know, poly perfect, boring. She definitely makes mistakes along the way and, you know, makes questionable decisions. I've heard from some readers that are like, I was so mad at her for doing X, Y, Z. But she's, no, she is not me. She is a much nicer, she's a better dog trainer than I am. <laughs> um, yeah. The only, the only parallel is someone pointed out to me, her name is embedded in my name, which I had no idea. But if you write Victoria, C-O-R-A is in my name. Oh, oh, that's very interesting. Well, because but, my, my real name is Victoria also. I use the Tory portion right. of Victoria. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I've been questioned about that many times, and it just never caught on for me, but I love it as a nickname, better yeah. than Vicky. Well, and I never even thought of Cora, but that would be another option too, I guess. Yeah, it, your next sliding door's life then. Yes, you do that. <laughs> with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so so th this just sounds like such an interesting process, writing a novel like this, you know, how you can change the characters and change their personalities and change who they are. After writing two nonfiction books that were, you know, very straightforward about dog training, how did you decide to write a novel and what was that process like? 
You know, it's writing the novel. It was kind of a no brainer because when you think about training dogs the way that I did for so many years, which was going into someone's home, every time you step in the door, it's a brand new sitcom. It's a brand new drama with a new cast of characters and a new adorable canine co-star. So it's ripe for fictionalizing. I do want to stress that nothing in the story really happened. You know, there's I was married the whole time, so there were no other men. Could not be me. Um, but, you know, it was just so ripe for the picking to take the narrative storyline and and take all these different characters and kind of weave their stories in. And, you know, I've said all along, I could turn this into a, you know, three three season Netflix series because there are so many amazing stories and ways to tell stories in that format. So that's how the whole idea for the book came to be. And, you know, kind of parallel was that as I was working on my nonfiction books, I included little vignettes, like little like here's a training story that, you know, maybe happened, maybe didn't happen. Most of them were fictionalized. But I loved that part of writing the nonfiction books. It was so fun to create these these characters. And that was kind of in the back of my mind as well. Like, you really like that part of it. Maybe you should explore it. So that was that was how the novel came to be. And as far as process, I love it. I, I want nothing more than to sit in front of my computer and write. You know, you hear about the tortured artist, tortured writer. It's so hard. They're lying. It's great. It's fun. It's magical. I love it. That's so awesome. So so I, I guess I would imagine that, that writing the two different types of books, it's, it's probably a similar process. You start with some kind of an outline and you just sort of flesh it out as you go. Were there any huge differences um, between the two different styles? Very much. Yeah, my enjoyment. (laughs) (laughs) The the nonfiction ones, it was painful because if you think about it, every word that I write has to be as factual and perfect and, you know, conveying. Sometimes you're, you're describing something you're doing with your hands and you have to get it exactly right so people can picture what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it has to be by the book perfect advice. So, you know, the the research and making sure that it was replicable, all of that made for a really challenging writing process. It was it was not as much fun. So novel time, you know, I say that it was like writing my first novel was like hanging out with a boyfriend. You know, every day I'm like, where are we going to go to get today? What are we going to do? We're going to have so much fun. So, yeah, completely different processes. And I, I highly doubt I'll be writing another nonfiction work. That's so interesting because I would kind of think that like that making something up out of your imagination would be like more challenging to, or it just sounds like more intimidating to me. So I think it's really interesting for, for anyone who's listening who might be intimidated by that, like I kind of am, that it's actually more fun. <laughs> it is because it's no holds barred. I mean, I think everyone has that ability to be a storyteller within them. It's just getting rid of that fear. You know, I think you you probably have a billion stories that you could tell. But... Oh, I had an idea, Victoria, for a book. Oh, was... really? <laughs> it was when um, last year I went on a lot of, not a lot, but I went on a handful of dates from like Bumble or Match.com or something like that. And I, and at the time I had recently read that book I was telling you about earlier from the dog's perspective Mm -hmm. and I was like wouldn't it be funny to have a book that was like each chapter was maybe like alternating one from the girl's perspective one from the dog's perspective about all of her different like crappy dates she was going on (laughs) that's a phenomenal idea 
Trademark it right now. No I've one had can a take lot of a lot of dates who like maybe the first one went well and we met at like a bar or something. And then for the second date, they were like, why don't we walk your dog in the park? And I'm sure the whole time Lucy was thinking like, here we go again. <laughs> right. Who is this loser? <laughs> so, I love that idea. Well, may- maybe one day I will have the courage to sit down and write a story like that. Well, I'm here for you if you need advice or support or cheerleading, because I really think that's a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so speaking of all of your brilliant ideas, um, you, you sent me a copy of your book, which I'm super excited to read this weekend. Um, but in the in the little package, you had a um, like a squeaky stuffed dog toy version of your book that was the exact same cover as your book and it looks like a book dog toy basically so I just thought that was such a cool marketing idea um, even after I've read the book and I put it up on my shelf this toy will still kind of be somewhere in my living room and so I just yeah. thought that was such a cool idea so so tell us a little bit about like some of your cool marketing things like how do you get the word out about a book like this well, friendly podcasters help spread the word. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, you know, that's the name of the game these days because there are so many really awesome books coming out every single day. So being unique and kind of taking a different approach always helps. As far as the book toy, I knew that I wanted to do something dog branded with the book. And, you know, I ran through hundreds of ideas like, do I do a collar and a leash? No, that's so personal. And I was familiar with the company that made the book toy because for six years, I owned a brick and mortar dog supply store, kind of an interim stop on my career o dogs. And I was familiar with the company from that. And I knew that they did branded uh, products. They do like, you know, private label products. And I'm like, I wonder if they could do my book. And it came out better than I could have imagined because when you put them side by side, like I'm seeing so many great photos online of people with the book and the and the, their dog and the dog toy I'm like I can't tell which is which almost oh so. when I opened the package I was just like so impressed by it and, and for anyone who's listening the company is called pride bites um, and I have gotten toys from them in the past and looked them up online and I and I saw that about a year ago when I looked at them that they'll do customized things um, and my sister lives in Alexandria Virginia which is right outside of DC mm-hmm. and her local, dog shop it's called the dog park um and it's super cute little shop and for the cherry blossoms in dc they had pride bites cherry blossom toys made and they did their whole window display with these cherry blossom toys and she bought me one of course um but pink. It, it, of course it was pink so i had to have it um and it was cherry blossoms which is like iconic dc kind of a thing um so yeah, so it's very cool. So I think any if you want to do some kind of like promotional thing to promote your brand, it's definitely something to look into. What other kind of marketing ideas? Like, so you've done podcasts and this custom toy. Like, what are some other creative ways that you're promoting? I guess yourself and your book kind of go hand in hand. Well, I love marketing, and I can tell you love marketing as well because you do it so so well. Thank you. Um, but I, I'm lucky in that I have a really supportive publisher behind me, Gallery Books, which is a division, a division of Simon & Schuster. So they do some of the heavy lifting as well. But because I love marketing so much, I'm trying to do as much as I can. So um, I'm having little or had little graphics made, like little social media images, where if you follow me, particularly on Instagram at Life on the Leash, um, it's just ways to kind of catch people's eye. They're they're really cute little um, 
hand-drawn graphics of the dogs that appear in the book because I think, you know, there's it's a women's fiction novel. There's a huge romance element, but there are also dogs. So I want people to realize, like, I'm a pit bull lover. Oh, my gosh, look at this great, awesome, adorable pit bull named Fritz who's in this book. I love so, that. That's such a cute idea. And I think that's very, like, Instagrammable and pinnable and all that kind of good stuff that you want to make all your images optimized for. Yeah, yeah. It's And it's, you know, just the marketing as a whole, I think, lends itself so easily because anything dog-related, if you do it right, it's people are going to look at it. People are going to stop and take a peek if you've got a cute dog. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And any client I've ever worked for doing social media, I incorporate dogs somehow into their campaigns because it's just the secret to success. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, who doesn't love a cute puppy face? Well, speaking of adorable puppy faces, we cannot end this interview without talking about the puppy bowl. <laughs> oh, God, perfect segue. Yes. So I mentioned way at the beginning in your bio that you were the lead animal wrangler for the puppy bull on Animal Planet. So just tell me everything about that. <laughs> do you have an hour or two? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, it's, it's my favorite gig of the year. I love it so much. So Puppy Bowl is uh, it's a week-long event. You know, we tape for a week. And it's coming up in October. I'll be going back for, I think this is my 13th year. I'm I'm so bad about keeping track, but I know I've, it's, I think I've been there longer than anyone else on the set at this point. And it's as cute or cuter than you might imagine because it's adorable on television, but imagine seeing it live, you know, a foot in a foot away from you. So yeah, my primary responsibilities include watching all the action on the set you know, on the, I'm sorry, on the field, it's not a set, it's a field of play. (laughs) And making sure that everyone is having a really good time because the goal of Puppy Bowl is not only scoring touchdowns, it's, well, a couple goals, um, having a great time and enjoying puppy play, but also spreading the uh, foster rescue adoption message. Yes. So yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. But, you know, in terms of my responsibility, it's, it's making sure that every puppy is happy and having a great time. And then any of, this is behind the scenes gossip, any of the like actory things you see the dogs doing, I'm usually behind the camera making that happen. So for oh. example, when they do the, um, they call them out onto the field. So they come running down the chute and they're like, this is, you know, champ and he likes to play chess. Those dogs are running to me. I'm squatting in the opposite corner of the field going, puppy, puppy, come to me, puppy, puppy. So some of them, if you watch the show, some are like, yes, I'm going to run right to you. And others are like, I'm freaked out. There's smoke around me. There's a lot of people over there. I'm just going to hang out over here. Yeah. So it's this huge, like, it's kind of stressful because a lot of times there's press there. I mean, we've had every magazine, uh, TV outlet you can imagine there. So they're all watching and taking pictures. And like CBS Sunday Morning last year was there. And I got on CBS Sunday Morning cleaning up dog poop. (laughs) Just what you wanted in your life, right? Exactly. (laughs) One of my claims to fame. I can add that to my, my resume, right? I've been on CBS Sunday Morning. It's kind of perfect, though. I mean, if you're going to do anything on TV, you might as well like be yourself, which is, for me at least, picking up dog poop a lot of the time. <laughs> it's very on brand for me. <laughs> poop is my life. <laughs> That'll be your next promotional item, I think. <laughs> That's a great idea, actually. I need to work dog poop into this promo somehow. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, okay. Well, I have more questions about the puppy bowl. So do you, do you meet the puppies in advance or is this just like day of, or I guess it's a whole week. So you do kind of have a few days at least to work with them, but do, do you know the dogs beforehand? I do not. For the first couple years I did, but it's grown so much that we have an incredible team of scouts that are going out and working with the rescues throughout the country, you know, making sure that they have the right mix of dogs and size obviously is really important because the field is not as big as it looks on television. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the scouts are working with various rescues throughout the country. And I mean, throughout the country, we have them coming in from California and, you know, taking these long trips to be a part of this amazing wow. show. Yeah, so it's a big job. I'm sure it's almost a full-time job for the people that are securing the players. But in terms of like the work I do with them, yeah, some of them I, I get to do, see like a day or two in a row, but they're all untrained. That's the other thing about like the actor part of it. And I'm not talking about like the halftime, like, oh, there's a dog who's pretending to chug a beer. That's completely separate. I'm talking about like looking up at the camera during the Star Spangled Banner. You know, I'm there making sure the dog is looking directly at the camera, making crazy noises. Like that's my secret, by the way. Everyone responds to crazy noises. Um, Those dogs, even though I do get to work with them a day or two in a row, it's still just blank slate. Most of them don't even know how to sit. So it's right because not only are they puppies, but they're rescues. So they might not have had, you know, the kind of attention that they would get a lot of training early on. Right. A lot of them are in foster homes, which is great. You know, they're coming from that home environment, but not all. Mm -hmm. There is a variety. That's very cool. Well, so let's let's kind of wrap it up by talking about your dogs. Um, What kind of dogs do you have? I have two. I have Millie, the smooth Brussels Griffon, which if anyone has seen, not seen them before, they're like, oh, that's a pug. No, no, she's a, she's a fancy girl. She's mm-hmm. a rescue, though. Um, and then my other dog, Olive, is just a crazy, scruffy, underbite mutt who is the sweetest, most lovable girl you ever want to meet. Oh, and how long have you had both of them? Um, Millie we got when she was just under a year And Olive, we've had since she was eight weeks old. And let me just make a note here. Most people are like, oh, dog trainer dogs. I bet they're so well-mannered. I bet they're perfect. No, they are not. (laughs) So I hear that a lot. It's a little bit like um, they say the shoemaker's wife, you know, has holes in her shoes. That's exactly (laughs) right. And I this maybe maybe this will get edited out of the uh, the podcast. But when I was training full time, I would come home at the end of the day and be like, I don't feel like training. So my analogy was, it was kind of like a stripper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she dances for guys all night. When she gets home, she's like, I'm putting on sweatpants. Leave me alone. <laughs> kind of the same scenario. Like I'll give all my paying customers the best side of me. And when I get home, I'm just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's, that's the best analogy I think I've heard all week. <laughs> Stripper talk with Victoria. Oh, that's an, there's so many ideas that we've come up with on this show. I mean, we're going to have to spend the whole rest of the year just <laughs> working on our, our poop-themed merchandise and stripper-themed dog training. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We definitely need to partner up at some point. And we're so close. You're just in Pittsburgh. I'm yes. over in, in, in Bucks County. I mean, that's a couple hours. Yeah. I think we'll connect somehow, some way. Yeah. Well, so tell everyone where is the best place to find you on the internet? 
Well, they can find Life on the Leash by Victoria Shade at any bookseller. I do recommend that people check out IndieBound.org. That's a way to connect with their local bookseller in their region to get a copy. Um, They can find it at other online retailers as well. In terms of me, uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Victoria Shade, and that's S-C-H-A-D like dog E. Uh, Instagram is at Life on the Leash. And, oh, uh, Facebook is at Victoria Shade Author. And I do lives there occasionally. I did one yesterday, a little training session with both of my dogs to kind of show the difference of um, focus in each of the dogs. So that was super fun, too. Very cool. I'll definitely check that out. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a blast. You are so much fun. (laughs) So are you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes for this episode at wearwagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, Lucy and I will see you around the dog park.